0: Command codes verified.
1: Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
0: talk about the anniversary event. We got Tuvok and we're celebrating four years of Star Trek Online with an amazing 2013. Talk to us about this this new event. Talk to us about Tuvok. Tell us everything about what's happening on January 30th.
1: Sure. Let's talk about the anniversary episode. We'll talk about the anniversary in Tuvok. Spoiler alert. If you haven't played, uh, you may want to wait and play the content before we talk too much about it. Uh, I'll wait. Can we have some like wait music? Do-do? Oh, it's Skiffy will Skiffy. Yeah. have wait music. Can we have, have some wait music. Yeah. All right, so you're back. Okay, so you've played the episode now. So now we can talk about it. Yeah, we got Tuvok. And so there was a lot of speculation for a while about who we were bringing in. And I'm really shocked that it took so long for people to kind of put together because I posted a picture of me talking to Tim Russ at the Star Trek convention uh, in San Francisco a couple of months ago. Uh, I, uh, hold on. I, I guess, takes, like,
2: Garrett, it months Lane. and months and months to get these people. So, you know, we, we take all figured, Tuvok time. was just, you know, that's too short. Time period was too compressed.
1: Well, I had already been in conversation with him beforehand, but I just uh. tried, wanted to introduce myself to him in person at that point. I originally actually did try to get Garrett Wang, and so I met him in, in Vegas and talked with him, but um, I said, well, let's get Tim Russ, because I think he would be a really good fit for this content as well, because as everyone knows, it's no surprise, we're pushing more and more to the Delta Quadrant, and so it's time to start bringing in Voyager cast members. It was Party One's Adrian Grady that, that got me in touch with Tim Russ, because she worked with him on the set Renegades. of Renegades. Yeah. So while she was down there, I said, hey, is Tim Russ there? Can you get his emails? Okay, contact him. And so she hooked me up. I uh, contacted him, and we worked out some details, and it does take a ridiculous amount of time and negotiations and all that kind of stuff, agents and lawyers, and it's a pain in the butt. Um, and then I met him at uh, at the convention and a few others. Um, got to talk to Aaron Eisenberg and gave him a little bit of grief for... Uh, now that we have a, a, a Mac client out, so he has to play on that. <laughs> I'm um,
0: glad that I was able to start beef. Thank you. Thanks. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's Eli Jammer. He's always just
2: picking fights everywhere he goes. Just He it's, just always trolls.
0: I got to say thank you for the Mac client.
1: I don't think it's out of beta yet, is it? I don't, no, it's I, still, no, still, it's, still it's in beta. It's still in beta, but it's, it's better. Yeah, well, that it's, it'll be, a, it'll it's, be out of beta very, very soon. I'm just not sure. It may be out of beta on this broadcast. I'm not sure. So. Well,
0: one, once it goes out of beta, I, I'm pretty sure Elijah is planning to go out and buy a Mac on that very day, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dead silence. He's an Apple
1: guy. I can, Dead
0: he's, he's... silence.
1: So Tim Russ. So um, we got him in the game. He's he's like my buddy now. So we've been I've uh, been sending him back and forth, like you know, screenshots of his character in the game, and and he's like, can you bring the hairline down a little bit? And I'm like, all right, <laughs> so it's like well, kind of what you look like, Tim. But all right, we'll do it. This is the idealized at... me. This is the the fantasy me.
0: Let's, yeah, let's work on my... this. <laughs> this he used to be uh, uh,
1: Admiral Tuvok in charge. Of Voyager, is he not? He will be uh, Admiral Tuvok, and um, he will be uh, given command of Voyager. But you're not going to see that in this anniversary episode. This episode will end with a cliffhanger. Ooh. So, dun, dun, dun. Uh,
2: no. is this, uh, this where we connect a, to uh, cliffh- Stephen D'Angelo's little tease about a march uh,
1: happening? Well, Tim Russ will be back for season nine, and uh, oh, we have to so- wait that long and probably for our Expansion 2. The story that uh, is part of uh, the anniversary is a continuation of Sphere of Influence, and uh, it's a one big arc. Uh, and so this is the next part, and then the, the next part of this will continue in Season 9 and then eventually into Expansion 2, um, which as we basically move into the Delta Quadrant, and Tim Russ T- Tuvok will be taking you there. And so in Season 9, you will see him uh, in command of Voyager.
0: Quick question: Is it going to be the classic Voyager that we all know see, or are you guys planning to do any of the refit?
1: Now yeah, we'll just use the classic. It'll have a blade of armor and like the photonic shockwave uh, torpedo, and so it'll have all the intrepid type stuff. And, and if we add anything to the intrepid, it will it will certainly get it as well. So the
2: art uh, aficionados out there are going to wonder if uh, if uh, Mr. Jams is going
1: to get his hands on
2: on the intrepid model and, and touch
1: it um. up. Probably not until Expansion 2, but likely in okay. Expansion 2. Um, they get a little attention there, but not before then. All that stuff is getting attention as we move into the Delta Quadrant and all that kind of Voyager-related stuff. So you'll see Janeway Shuttle. I think that's was it Type 9 or Type 12. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, we had a question about the that. The Voyager Shuttle. So, so that will probably be coming in the future with the Delta Quadrant content, I'd love to get the Aero Shuttle and even get a, you know, intrepid ability to launch an Aero Shuttle on there. And you saw some recent notes about updates to the Undine, and Mm -hmm. we'll probably do some more of that. And so anything that is Delta Quadrant related, will be getting a little bit more attention and uh, as well as us exploring, you know, what the story and alien groups that we want to explore for, uh, for Delta Quadrant. And what other voice talent that we want to bring in. Do we want to blow our budget on Kate Mulgrew or do we want to get a bunch of other guys, right?
2: Well, you need Jerry Ryan and you yeah. need uh, uh, John DeLancey. And John DeLancey
1: Leonardo. is not really Delta Quadrant. I mean, he was in a couple of a Voyager, but he could, could go anywhere, really. He
2: could go yeah. anywhere. He could go anywhere. Yes, Al, he could. <laughs> Bob
1: Picardo, Bob Picardo. Robert Ricardo Picardo, Picardo. Garrett Gertwong Jerry Ryan all those cast members right but some of them are harder to get and more expensive to get go get Bob Ricardo Sig- Significant. The
2: emergency command hologram oh you just gotta get the emergency command hologram in oh.
1: I did speak with him in Vegas extensively. He was not happy that Zachary Quinto played the EMH in our game. <laughs> the reason why? I mean, Zachary Quinto. Uh, it, it, we know why. The not, timing. The timing. It was, it was the timing. It wasn't. Yeah. I, I wasn't even involved in that. It was entirely marketing wanting to yeah. get Zachary Quinto into the game. Where can we put him? Well, we can't put him anywhere. So we'll make him an EMH, right? So he's not even playing his character, obviously. So that's why he was picked. It wasn't. You know, I would have personally would have much rather have had Robert Picardo in a heartbeat play that role. But you know, it was all about JJ verse at the time. We launched, you know, right at the same time. So so all those guys I'd love to get. Not going to get them all. We'll probably get a few others. And, and honestly, a, a Kate Mulgrew or a Jerry Ryan can cost you like three or four Tim Russes. So they command, you know, a pretty... Well, just-
2: Oh, this, this, it's all about strategy, Al. Get all the other ones in here, and then just go to them last and say, "Oh, we just let you know. We'd love to have you with your pals, but oh,
1: you know, what can, we, what can we do?" It's all about strategery. Well, there's still all kinds of season eight point five stuff to talk yeah, about. Yeah,
0: yeah. We have to. We talk about the event. We, we, today is Thursday, and it is hit. Tell us the story. Tell us the whole. Th- recap it for us.
1: Okay. So, so everyone's played it already. So the story is about. Um, it takes place at the Dyson Sphere. You get called there, and. The alliance has found a control center to the Dyson Sphere orbiting the sun of the Dyson Sphere. And now there's a race to get it before the Voth get it. Because the control tower is the control center there allows you to control the Dyson Sphere and jump the Dyson Sphere. It's an FTL drive. That's what the Omega particles do. If yeah, you finish the Dyson rep, the story will involve that that's what the Omega particles do. It's a oh, so it, we have to yep. double spoiler
2: it. We have to say go back and finish your rep. Yeah. Yes. Double,
1: well, if, once you play the episode, we get, if you haven't played the rep, we give you a recap. As you okay. should know, this is what Omega Particles do. They use them to generate the power of the Dyson Sphere to subspace jump it anywhere in the universe. And um, Tuvok was sent there and, uh, and sent a distress call. And so you have to go there. And so you get to do a flyover over the sun. So you'll be really close to the sun and and you go and you meet Tuvok there. I won't get into too many details. I'm not going to give you a blow-by-blow, blow, but you will you will get there, and you will have to join with Tuvok and his crew, his team that is there, most of which are dead because the, the Voth were there. Along the way, you will just, you will have to, uh, in order to shut down the ability of the Dyson Sphere to jump, because if it did, it would just be a mega-particle blast which could be completely devastate the quadrant. Of course, you end up, opening another portal as a as a result and the both go through it and you have to chase after them and when you chase after them you end up in the delta quadrant in scotty's dyson sphere so you will be remember scotty's dyson sphere
2: yeah i'm mm-hmm. from release right?
1: yeah. if, if you remember the end of the sphere of influence there's a recap and that dyson sphere has been missing and basically when you reset the gates in sphere of influence that dyson sphere jumped it jumped to the delta quadrant And so you will appear in that Dyson Sphere. And so it will look just like that Dyson Sphere from that episode. So you would kind of come in horizontally with the big gate on the side. Mm -hmm. um, And you'll appear in there. Gosh, should I spoil it? I guess I'll go ahead and spoil it because everyone's already played it, right? You you already told us it's going to be a cliffhanger. Tuvok's uh, science lead who's there will be revealed to have been an Undine. And we've got this really awesome transformation cutscene where he walks up behind Tuvok. And he transforms into Undine and does a little psychic whammo on Tuvok. And he takes off and then while you're in the Dyson Sphere and there's the Undine Dreadnought, um, an Undine Planet Killer blasts, blasts a hole in the side of the Dyson Sphere wow. which goes right through and destroys the Dyson ship and a swarm of Undine come through the portal. The whole thing was a trick to get you to open the portal so the Undine can invade the Alpha Quadrant. Now you've got this Dyson Sphere, of course you win. You, and By the way, while, while you're fighting this, you're fighting this in a what I call the Temp Puppet, one of the Dyson ships that you'll get so that way you can you can test drive it here and you'll get a different one based on your faction. What will happen now is that, while you're, after this battle is over, everybody wants to claim this Dyson Sphere. So the Romulans want to claim it because the only way to get to it is through the Romulan-controlled Dyson Sphere, through Taldewa. And the Federation want to claim it because this is our Dyson Sphere. You even find the science team who was left behind when the Dyson ship jumped, right? Because they were there studying it since they found Scotty. They've been stranded there these several months. So Federation says, no, this is ours. we've been studying this for years, for decades and the klingons want to say hey this is this isn't cool you guys can't keep taking all this technology the tensions between the klingons and the federation are really escalating and and so there's a, there's a little bit of a standoff there and so tuvok now has this kind of i've been manipulated by this undine this undine has been manipulating me i'm responsible for this i've got to stop this and so so the story will lead into what's next is we've got an impending threat. Now the gates are open. We can't close it. And they have a direct access to the Alpha Quadrant. And, and now the Klingons and the Federation are, are back at each other's throat again. So that's how, how they're going to resolve that is how we'll resolve that in, uh, in Season 9.
0: And in Season 9, a Cylon Bay ship comes in from the Cylon Bay ship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I also want to say something about this episode, and it's something that we're trying now, and we're going to try to do a lot more of in the future, is randomization. Every time you play this episode, something a little different will happen each time. Uh, not every time, places. because eventually you'll play them all. But, but there will be different choices you'll make that are not just, like, chat choices, but, you know, whether or not it'll actually affect what room or what path through the mission you will go through. So the first time you play it you may get this room and you may get this event and the second time you play it you may get this event instead or these system defenses may turn online or these may not turn online or Voth mech shows up or no you get this other thing shows up instead. So every time you play it, it'll be a little bit different. So it's something that we're learning to do and trying to do a little bit more of, and so you're going to start seeing that more here. So you'll want to play it several times so you can see all the different possible outcomes. It's expensive, but something that we're experimenting on. So if you played it once, play it again so you can see what the other possible outcomes are. So you have play it at least three, three times. at well, least at least three times, yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, but uh, in case in case you're not interested, you do want you want to do it anyway just to see that. And some of the things you have control over, some of the things are random. So then you, uh, as far as the outcomes, so.
0: Does the system recognize if you've already done a certain path?
1: No, nah, it's completely random. There are some choices that, like, you'll say, "There's one part where it's like, hey, should I should we activate this system or should we activate this system?" Um, and then you you, know, you choose, and then when you go into play, it's a that will happen. Uh, but some of them are just completely random.
0: You mentioned the Undine, and we had a recent dev blog about the Undine, um, you know, getting more umph and more power to them a little. Other than the, this episode, is there any other instance where the where we're going to see the Undine develop? Terra dome, maybe something of that nature.
1: You will definitely see them again in season nine, as far as a continuation of the story arc, and we'll definitely see them in expansion two. And we are also just starting to completely revamp the, uh, the entire Borg Undine arc, the Omega arc at the end. So completely redoing that to kind of jive with our story and, you know, where you find the, the assimilated Undine in there and all that all that entire arc, which is pretty dated at this point, to completely change all that. One of the first episodes, you go back in time to Wolf 359 on the Cisco ship, you never even mm-hmm. see Cisco maybe you'll see Cisco this time so this so did actually make it feel like you're on a Miranda instead of some um, with that old those old Federation ground kits we'll revamp all that so we're working on revamping that content and so you'll definitely see the undine there and uh, try to fix that story to get it in sync with ours and we'll probably Cut an episode or two from there, and just to kind of make it leaner and, and smarter. So we might so, see Ben Sisko, huh? Yeah, you might see Ben Sisko. You don't count on hearing him, other than if we can rip some of the VO from the episode, we'll see if we can throw it in there. We'll, we oh. won't be bringing him on board. If people have seen the new the new Federation uh, uh, updated content, you know, we did a lot of that stuff in uh, in about uh, in about three days per episode. Some things got more attention than others but we're going to be spending about four times as much time on the uh, on redoing the uh, board content so it's going to get even a lot more attention it won't be what we would call a digital remaster like we did like we've done like with uh, azura or uh, some of that content but but it will be significantly better and um and uh, and and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that i've been excited about that for a while we've been planning that since june
0: Let's talk about the future, about systems that might be coming down the pipe, maybe in season nine or beyond. What's on the horizon? We were just talking about skills, so why don't we start with the skill potential sure. skill
1: revamp? There's been no work done with the skill revamp, but I do want to build a little momentum from the community to see how you know see how they feel about it. I want to get them jazzed about it because it would be a pretty dramatic change. I'm not happy with the current skill system because I think it's a little esoteric. There's some things about it that are pretty straightforward. But there's some things about it that I just don't think people get. I, I've heard cases where people get the little 50 and never put any points into the skills. Or they get a little frozen because they don't know what they do. It can be a little intimidating and you don't really feel a payoff all the time. Like you put points into something says, what did that do? Did that really do anything? I don't know. And I think the, the biggest offender of it are the science skills. I think it's pretty clear when someone puts points into energy weapons that they're going to do more damage with their energy weapons. Um, or put points into healing that they're going to heal more, or put points into hull points and they're going to have more pit points, you can actually see that number change. But if you put points into, I don't know, graviton generators or low capacitors or something, this will help a suite of powers and, you know, multiple skills may help one power. It's not like graviton generator helps everything about the power. It only helps the control of the power and the particle generator helps the damage from that science power. And so and it's a big long list of powers which gets added to when we add new powers or new items um, they also benefit from skills and they don't always benefit the same amount it's not very accessible what I really would like to do is actually uh, turn the whole thing into a more traditional skill tree or power talent tree like like Diablo or something and you actually just purchase powers this would be a dramatic change because you would actually have to say purchase evasive maneuvers or any of those captain powers I think we would still put in there a number of powers that are in the current skill tree, but the ones that I think are more straightforward, like something that would increase your hull, or something that would increase your energy damage, or your projectile damage. But I think instead of having nine ranks, it'd only be three of each. So you'd see a dramatic change from each one, as opposed to a really subtle one. And be honest with you, people either put nine points or no points in the skill anyway. They never just buy, like, two. Um, no, I do six. Uh, three or six is common, and, and I think three, that's kind of nine. motivated by the diminished return and by the UI. But people usually only stop at those three points. They never put one or two in there unless they just have leftover points and they can't spend right. them all, but they take it to a certain point. So I think that's basically telling that we really only need three levels of each one, and that's pretty common in most skill trees. And I, so you buy a skill up, it says, do I want to put another point in evasive maneuvers, or do I want to buy a point into... Hull damage and so and then we probably make some new powers too to kind of go along with that and then there be some powers that we give away for free that people probably won't buy like maybe you don't buy abandoned ship we will try to make it better but you can then save those points and put them in something else
2: that's an interesting concept. I mean, would it be something along the lines of I, I as a tactical captain, could buy Photonic Fleet if I really wanted to? Would no, you, I don't think would we you would open give you up?
1: access to science captain powers that you couldn't have before. I, I really would not do that. But you would have to purchase, say, Attack Pattern Alpha and decide how many points you want to put into that but then you may not buy some of the other ones that you may not use. Um, and the same thing would apply to the ground skills, that whether they be separate trees or the same trees, I don't know. This is really just water cooler talk at this point. Um, I think the hardest part will be the science powers because I just don't think they're working. They're very much tied to, say, science consoles and science deflectors and and how would we handle that? For instance, if we took those away and you couldn't buy them anymore, well, what would we do with the existing powers? Would we give everybody top value as though they had 9 points in graviton generators and particle generators and flow capacitors and all of those would you give you top value if we never let you buy them anymore? Or would we give you bottom value or would we give you 50% value? We can't give you top value in all of them because you can't do that now. You can't buy them all. I'm not sure what we would do with that. And what we do with science consoles and, and deflectors, uh, one idea has come up would be that instead of a science console coming with a skill like Countermeasures, that instead it says, and this is something that that a lot of games do, that this deflector or this console adds plus one to tachyon beams. So instead of a Mark I tachyon beam, you'd have a Mark II tachyon beam. Or you'd have a console that adds shields damage to kind of like a bridge officer power, adds shields damage to tachyon beams. Um, but I think the idea of it of a console or a deflector that adds directly to a power specifically, as opposed to kind of these types of powers, is far more, it's far easier to grok and understand from the player's point of view. You're soliciting
2: ideas at this point, just sort I'm of water cooler talk, like you said? I'm,
1: yeah, I'm trying to solicit thoughts and how people feel about it. I'm convinced it would be easier uh, for everybody to understand. I'm less convinced whether or not we'll avoid a complete. Oh, the transition right. will be terrible. The condition will be terrible. So yeah. So that's why, I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm talking about it early to try to get people to feedback on it and get used to the idea and, and, and understand what we're doing. So it's not a uh, all of a sudden that they, they log in one day and get a blog that, hey, this is what's all going to change when you log in next week. Um, this is something that, that I want to make sure people know about A a of time and, and get lots of, lots of opportunity for people to talk about it. So well, I love it, your your thoughts about it.
2: Maybe it's important to sort of step take one step back as to maybe why you're doing this, too, because there's people like me who have – I set my skills, I mean, years ago, literally, and I haven't changed them since. I haven't – I have like nine respect tokens in my bank. I've never sure. used them. The last time they read the skill tree, I just set them back once and then never touched them again. Taking a step back from this – we're thinking about new players coming into the game. Is that, that's, that's where your eye is.
1: That's, then, that's where it is. You have right. a lo- tens and tens of thousands of people who come in every month, right? And, and some they, of them stay and some of them don't. And we want to make as many of them stay as possible. With
2: so, that in mind, that's the yes. feedback that we're kind of... We want to keep that... It's not, it's not so much that, oh my God, I'm going to lose my attack pattern alpha. It's like, well... Try to explain to somebody how you just get attack pattern alpha, and then you get a better attack pattern alpha, but then you have to spend skill points in your engine thing so you can move faster, uh, you know, you can, you can turn better during your attack pattern alpha. Whoa, what? You know, if you just buy a yeah. level one attack pattern alpha, and then later on if you like that power and think, man, it'd be awesome if I could turn faster when I light off attack pattern alpha.
1: Level. I, I bet a lot of people don't realize that as they level up, their attack pattern alpha just gets better. I, I'm guessing most of you guys do, <laughs> but a lot of people don't realize. Oh, I didn't realize right. that I had attack. Pattern yeah, yeah. Yet. When did I change from attack pattern alpha one to attack pattern alpha three? Didn't even notice it. Um, exactly. But I think if you made it, if you purchased it, it'd be a much more meaningful choice. And then we probably, maybe we make it more meaningful. Maybe attack pattern alpha three adds confuse or adds. You know, adds a, you know, adds, adds, you know, they actually have a much more meaningful change to them as, as those powers went up. Sure. Um, we could certainly spend some time to give a little attention to those sort of things. I think uh, some I, powers still work. I think some of them make sense to buy something that adds hit points, and cause every single one of them shouldn't be a click power because, Lord knows, we don't need a lot more click powers in the game. <laughs> um, yeah, but my tray's big enough, thanks. <laughs> so I think a lot of them could stay, but I think there's a missed opportunity. They're confusing to new players. And I, like you said, you set your skills and you forgot about them. You're never interested in trying and you build something people are, but I also think it kinda of sticks people in the idea that I've built this optimized for this kind of game plan and never want to move away from it. But you want to try something different, I think it'd be very interesting to try other
2: I think a carrot, powers. Yeah. The transition will be terrible, but but you know consider the carrot of letting people buy a really expensive engineering power if they wanted to put it on their tactical captain. Because I think you know, that sort of option or if we like, add more interesting,
1: really interesting stuff they haven't seen before, like an interesting engineering power, science power, tactical power that was just brand new and very interesting, these would be effectively like console powers, right? People love really interesting powers to do crazy things. Um, yeah. I think that'll be very interesting. I think the pain point will be science powers i don't think that we'll be able to get to mark every science power as though they had maximum in all science skills and so we're going to have to find some sort of middle ground with those and some things will maybe mark at the top and some will kind of leave at the bottom and some will leave in the middle that'll probably be the greatest source of contention and we'll try to find a way to make that as painless as possible but inevitably that will be a transition that will allow us to make deflectors and science consoles Far more interesting. Any RPG, yeah, any you level RPG up. You level up. You pick a power, yeah. right? That's pretty straightforward. We don't do that, right? We don't level up and pick a power. You don't. Whether it's Diablo or Skyrim or so, you level up and you would pick. No, I want to buy. Do I want to have more hell hit points? Do I want to buy basic maneuvers? Do I want to uh, get orbital strike or whatever you want to choose from? Uh, and, and I think that's an interesting choice as opposed to, okay. do I want to put three points in countermeasures or three points in driver let me,
2: let me Let me blow your mind on this. If we're still going to be on skills for a little bit longer, let me blow your mind on this. Why don't you make it a research tree? Like, I'm researching my new skill, you know, and then i got to go fly missions, or i got to fire off that power a certain number of times before I can buy the level two.
1: Well, we can I mean, make it harder for you to buy them, but it's still, what is it that you're buying that I'm trying to accomplish?
2: If you do make that game That's kind decision. of
1: a Skyrim model, right? If you do a lot of sword play, you get a higher level in sword play, and that allows you to buy certain powers, and you must have at least level 70 in order to get cleave or whatever it is. So they're are little sub levels, or uh, as opposed to I don't think you have a level yourself in Skyrim as much as you have a level in archery and a level in alchemy and a level in swords and level in two handed swords. And even when those level up, then you can then you have a point. And every level you level up, you get a point, and you pick which one you want to buy. And then if you buy something. You have to have enough level in there. So it's kind of what you're saying. You have to yeah. research or do something in order to buy that point in there. Probably would say no. I'm trying to make it less complicated and trying oh. <laughs> to make it much more accessible. I want to make it a very simple model. I think people get the idea is I level up. I pick a power from this tree, and I just pick the power, and I pick the next power. I want to make it accessible and as recognizable as possible, and I don't think that we achieved that in our original skill system.
2: Well, then let's go on to crafting then. The well, let's crafting... talk
1: about let's talk about kit revamps first cuz that would be coming out oh. first.
2: Oh, that's coming out in first like how when first.
1: Probably very soon. Probably Probably very soon. TM Ooh. trademark. <laughs> probably uh, <laughs> probably maybe. Um, Probably maybe. <laughs> I think Kit Revamp will hit Season 9, I think. It's mostly done. We hoped to originally get it out but Season 8, but uh, it, it wasn't in the stars. Kit Revamp is a real thing now. I'm sure there'll be eventually be a big blog about it, but I've talked about it in the past. And uh, Is it
2: the gem slotting idea that you had before? Yeah,
1: there'll be different types of kit bags, and you will have uh, one thing that we decide not to do is modify existing kits. So all your kits in the game will stay exactly the same, but we won't be able to get them anymore. They'll be removed from the store, they won't drop in the game anymore, the only thing will drop will be the new stuff. And, uh, and it'll be a lot easier for us to to make new rewards for people um, because it's really hard. It's like we never offer kits as a reward all that often. Um, because, like, say, for instance, either in the lockbox or as a mission reward, because when we do, everybody has a different kit that they like. If I was to say I am going to make a security kit, I don't really use that one. I use the other kit, and uh, we'd have to make, like, six or nine kits. Uh, operative a operative temp-
2: kit, a yeah. bunker kit,
1: a VOP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so that was just really not going to be sustainable. But we could very well make three kit gems, one tactical, one security, one engineering, or we can make one that's universal that could put into anybody's kit. So we got sure. kit bags that have universal slots in them, Or kit gems that are universal, like universal consoles can go in any bag. And the bags themselves can have different slot arrangements as well as have powers on them themselves. So you can get white, green, blue, or purple kit bags. And they have different bonuses on them. And we can even eventually in the future do things like have kit bags that, let's say, that is specifically a grenade satchel that adds bonuses to grenades or gets a set bonus if you put in three grenades in it. So every power will be a gem and there'll be four qualities of gems, or actually five, I guess, because there'll probably be fleet qualities as well. And uh, you'll be able to mix and match your gems almost however you like. Um, there will be some limitations. You can't put in two photon grenades in the same kit. You you can't put two of the same power in the bag. Each school will be broken up into sub schools. Tactical will have both strategy and assault type gems. And so all the powers that were more buffs will be strategy gems, and all the ones that are more attacks like will be in the uh, like like uh, photon grenades will be assault. And so there'll be some bags that will have five assault slots and some that will have five uh, strategic slots or a mixture of those like three and two or two and three. There'll be different bags that you may want to collect and mix and match them that way. As an engineer everyone loves the fabrication abilities but there's some great operation abilities that people never use because they're just never in kit that you want like fuse armor or is actually really good power and so is quick fix so you can just take one of those and mix it with for other fabrications if you want to do it that way. Uh, Same thing with science. Everyone really likes the heal powers, but I don't need all heal powers. Maybe I want a stasis field or a tachyon harmonics. I can't mix that typically with the heal powers that I want. So now you'll be able to do that. Um, We're also going to probably take all the devices that were not consumable, like the um, Ophidian cane and um, Shard of Possibilities, and turn those into kit modules. But you'll be able to get kit modules with five slots at Mark 12. So you'll actually be able to have five. So this is really going to be a power creep for everybody because people will <laughs> not only will be able to have five kit powers instead of four but before you could never have a kit that had mark three of every power right a, a purple you right, right. had like two three and two twos I think Now you'll if you get them all you'll be able to get five type threes in all of them
0: in this change in order to use something like the Ophidian Cane or the Shard of Possibilities I would need a kit that has that extra slot I cannot use it independently anymore
1: well it will be a universal item so it can slot into any slot in any kit oh so So. is
0: the
2: device layer on the
1: uh, paper doll on your ground character is that going away No, because you'll still be able to put hypos and all those consumables in there. But some of those specialty items... Okay, they're
2: going to become kit powers.
1: Now when you log in, they'll still be in your device tray. So if you want to leave them there, you can. But as soon as you pull them out, you won't be able to put them back. I don't think we're going to kick them out. Maybe they will do a fix up, but those are actually pretty database intensive to do that. But that's the default that would happen. You won't need to find a kit that can use it. You'll have a Mark 12 kit you'll be able to pick up basically for really cheap at the store for a white one or something or even a Mark 10 and it has five slots in it so you can just put your And because it's a
2: universal
1: item Yeah, it will just go into anything
0: Then just to make sure I understand I will, as a tactical officer I cannot slot turret fabrication or am I going to be able to?
1: Definitely at launch to not be able to do that We have talked about releasing some kit bags that come with, like say a special that have cross-career slots, like it might be a tactical bag that has one engineering slot in it. We haven't done that, and if we do those, those will probably be like, like fleet or rep or rewards or things that come in lock boxes or something like that. Those will be fat loot kit bags. The combinations we can do could be like just a fabrication slot, or it could be an engineering slot, or it could be a universal slot, so it could take anything. Fact is, it gives us lots of flexibility to do lots of different combinations that people will chase after.
0: I like the idea of having that cross-career thing. Up in the future again, we've got, uh, what about comma-rays?
1: Eventually what's going to happen is that all ships that have comma-rays will get a comma-ray slot. We should just start doing that now because it's an expensive database fix-up, so we don't want to do that. There's a new update because a lot of people log in the same day and it makes everyone slow. We'll probably open up the slot before we start opening the comma rays, but people will get a comma ray, and then we'll start making comma ray items. I think we actually have a meeting of it next week to talk about the full details of it, so it's still very early in the stages. You'll probably see secondary deflectors released at the same time, if not slightly sooner than comma rays. And common ray item will basically allow you to modify your existing comma ray powers, either making them better or changing what they are, or adding procs or enhancements to the existing comma ray powers. They'll be pretty straightforward. I mean, you've got your 4 comma common-ray powers and you'll find comma ray items that will just, say, make your taunt aura better, or make one of your other auras better, or change what it does. Maybe instead of a taunt, it's a reverse taunt. inverts it to something like that. I'm just speculating here because the design's very early for that. Raiders? The the Raiders getting the flanking. That's just a matter of finding time in the schedule to uh, start adding that to all Raiders. I think people will really like that. I love that feature. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to play the Breen Raider and being able to flank targets. It's very powerful and it really changes your gameplay style. So it does to Raiders what we always wanted Raiders to feel like. And instead of being just a fragile escort, they all of a sudden really start feeling like feels like an assassin or thief so it really changes their gameplay along with that we're probably going to also just take a look at the stats of raiders and probably give raiders in general a little more survivability but not much and then a few minor changes to maybe some of the tier five raiders to kind of distinguish them a little bit more
2: is, is this the same al rivera that wanted to nerf escorts
1: no i want to nerf cannons got cannons it, oh it, okay canons, okay so. I go for it. <laughs> 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 okay i was just wonder if it's the same guy who are you and what have you done with the real al crafting like, are we going to go there? Far too early to give you details, but what I can tell you is that we are very actively and very vigorously working on a crafting revamp design.
2: This is not one of those, we'd like to get to it, but it got bumped off the schedule things anymore. It is on on the the
1: schedule. schedule. It's going to be a very large task. We will not be doing it lightly. It will probably be rolled out in stages, but very methodically, not like we only got this far, so this is all we could do. We we're intentionally releasing it, like, this is the part of the stage we want to do, and then later on we'll have this next stage of it, and then this stage of it. It will be a serious, real increase. Um, you will probably get some credit, potentially, from your existing crafting levels, but the existing crafting levels aren't particularly challenging to get to. So it's not like if you were at top tier in crafting, we're not going to give you top tier in crafting in the new system. You'll get some recognized credit. It's a completely different system, so it's just so far off that it doesn't even apply. Anomalies will still be part of the system, although we'll probably give them window dressing. In other words, we may merge some of them, we may make less of them, so you'll log in and whatever you have will be changed to something else. We won't lose any anomalies and they won't become garbage, but the icons will most definitely change, but what they are may be something entirely different. There may not be be
2: 18 different kinds, maybe 6.
1: There may be 6, there may be 18, I don't know. Honestly, that hasn't been decided at all. At the very least, the icons will change, and probably more likely that... What they are will change to something more meaningful and more recognizable as opposed to just a list of slightly hue-shifted icons, which is basically all they are now. Try to make them feel a little more meaningful, and that may mean collapsing some. It may be making more. I don't know. They will be converted, and you'll log in one day, and you'll have this suite of these items, and they'll be different. And hope to change uh, the way you mine for them so that they're not just... Decouple that from the exploration stuff. That's just one great place that you can harvest a lot of them, but you're on a mission, you just see a little call-out on the floor right? And it's like, yep. oh, I can scan this to pick this up. Ideally, it would make it that you see a canister in a science lab and you click on it and it's a pile of benzene and you pick it up. Like you would do if you pick up a flower from a crafting game. Bark or so, a
2: wolf pelt.
1: Yeah. So to try to make it feel more tangible. But I do not want to talk about the details of it and how going to integrate because I know people are going to have a lot of questions it's like, well, what kind of gear can you make? And will it be better than the other team gear? Or will it be better than fleet gear? And all those kind of questions. But I do want to encourage people that, yes, a real solid exciting crafting system is truly in the works right now it is unlikely that it will not happen it would be possible that we don't hit our scheduled date, but it will happen this year.
2: PvP revamp? I know you said you had the choice between uh, Foundry and PvP. and
1: I was giving that as an example, so it wasn't like that. Oh. But we, uh, we do want to dedicate real resources to PvP. That one is not on the schedule, so it's a little bit out there. But we probably will start doing some things piecemeal, but we recently got some great data mining and showed us some really interesting stuff that we really want to sit down and talk about the real strategy. And so I do see that these are now real things that are starting to show up on the schedule as far as having real hard dates about when they're showing up but probably not season nine that's all i'll say about that
2: all right. And then um, uh, more pie-in-the-sky stuff that we've talked about before, like a task force management system where you send your boss off on ships of their own, persistent territory control, those things are still out there, if, if at all.
1: Any type of territory control would come along with the PvP revamp. As far as task forcing, I'd love to do a duty officer revamp. We're tugging a war on that one and whether or not we'll be tackling any duty officer revamp or improvements. That I'm not sure about. Territory control, that's still and, un- and, neatly planned.
2: You mentioned duty officers. That was something that uh, we had heard about a couple times. Duty Officer 2.0, one of the orphaned systems uh, that could be more. That one's not on the front burner anymore or...
1: we've talked about actually integrating duty officers into crafting a little bit. So there may be something happening there. And that's a little too early to say, but as far as a complete revamp of duty officers, there was a plan for it and it fell apart. Basically you start picking the systems and because we got a lot of systems and things planned for you know going forward for the next year. You've got a really solid plan up to the middle of the year and a very loose plan to the end of the year. And so every week we meet basically every day and are designing some really key features like that. All these things we're talking about, PVP crafting duty officers. Bridge officer training is another really big one. The way you train bridge officers is something I've never been particularly fond of. And I'd rather it be like you train them just like you would buy skills for yourself. You just buy a power for them and they just can do that power. Um, And you don't lose the other power. Hey, this tactical officer has cannon rapid fire in his ensign slot. I can't really use him on my cruiser because it's all beams. So I have to swap it to fire at will instead. So I have to put my cannon rapid fire at lieutenant commander or commander. It's just hard. So I want to change all of that. You know, maybe you just slot in kit gems into bridge officers. Or maybe they have skill trees that they just buy out. That's a system that is a pain point particularly for new players. As an older player, you start getting adjusted to it and you just learn to live with it. You learn to manage it, but it's not a pleasant system, I don't think. And for new players, they don't even ever train their bridge officers. They don't even understand the process of it that's just a failure. Those systems that are really painful or obscure to new players are really important to us. So that's one that probably give a lot of attention. So as always, it's where to spend your development dollars. because There's always a balance between acquisition and retention. We want to make sure we get more people coming to the game. We want to make sure people stick around longer. And those are most of the time not the same resources. When we make a featured episode, that doesn't do anything for acquisition because they've got hundreds of hours of gameplay that they haven't even seen yet. <laughs> Who cares about the next new mission, right? That's a constant give and take about where do you put things. And we're really focusing largely on acquisitions because we have a pretty robust end game. We need to make sure that we keep new players happy so that they stick around. Have any of you guys seen the Fed Revamped content?
2: No, I haven't, no, I haven't. logged into
1: Okay, you'll really enjoy it. I think you'll be very impressed with it. It really raises the bar. We only do the first Klingon levels, but we want to keep doing that. We're skipping ahead now to do the Borg ones, but I want to come back and do the Romulan and Cardassian ones as well. We'll get around to them.
0: How about the gateway?
1: Well, you you want duty officers on there. I want duty officers on there. Yes, please. Yes, please. I would really kill to get that. But in order to get that, you kind of really need to redo the duty officer system. The system is too complex to put on an iPhone. I mean, but not on know. a tablet. Not on a tablet, but it needs to work on an iPhone as it well. It does need to work on a, on a tablet. The system needs to be modified.
0: Y- you uh, notice he an said Android, iPhone, maybe? You notice he said an Android? Android. We could also he say Yes, an Android,
1: okay. <laughs> well, iPhone yeah. first. Smartphones. Uh, they're all smartphones. All... Yeah, but some are smarter than others. Exactly.
0: <laughs> are... You know what? If I knew the inner workings of Cryptic, I will talk as if I do, and I would say, tell Perfect World that to help appease the... ARC discussions happening on the forums that we need a feature like Gateway coming and integrated into ARC.
1: I hear you guys talking about ARC over there. Push
0: that off onto them. Good idea.
1: I have nothing to do with ARC and I don't know anything about it one way or the other. All I know is that what ARC does is raise money for Star Trek and that's a good thing for me because the more people that come through ARC to play other peripheral games see Star Trek and it increases the number of people that come into Star Trek. Star Trek is probably the biggest revenue generator for Perfect World in North America. It is very popular. Um, you get a lot of people who don't know about it and come in through ARK. And that's the same thing with Steam Desk for us too, right? They come into Steam, they see an ad for it. Oh, let me check that out. It's free. And you see a huge return for people coming to there. And so anything that brings users and money into Star Trek is a good thing for everybody, and that's really what it does. Yeah, people don't like ARK or they're complaining about ARC and some of the concerns I hear and I understand, some of them I just don't understand, and I always call it feels like a first world problem that I can't access my $60 million MMO for free through the button I want to click on. It's like, just click on the button and it'll be fine, and uh, it's good for the game. But I understand that maybe there's an extra layer. But, I mean, if you're playing through Steam, it's not even going to affect you. And yeah. as far as I know, you're going to be able to continue to play the way you currently play now. I don't know if they eventually will force the issue. I'm assuming they're going to want to convert as many people as possible to probably make incentive to have you play on Arc soon. I also it's like just, to point out to the yeah. ledger that uh, Ark is not available on a Mac. <laughs>
2: I'm back, man.
1: We didn't talk about the uh, Quick Equip. I mean, it's kind of part of the whole loadout. That's actually already on triple. You can now click on any slot, and it will give you a list of all the items that can go into that slot. So now you can actually just click on a slot, say one of your weapon slots, and it'll pull up all the weapons that can go into that slot. And if it's in the bank, it'll even show it in the bank. If you're not by a bank, it'll be grayed out, but it'll say this there's items in your bank. If you're near a bank, it'll just pull it from the bank and put it right in there for you. And so that way you can also do a compare, because you know, right now you can't really compare a weapon in your weapon slot and a weapon in your inventory because it doesn't know which weapon you want to compare, so it always compares it to the first weapon in the first slot. Now you'll be able to click on a weapon in slot 3 and see all the other weapons and be able to compare them that way. It's a really, really slick way to equip items, and it works with all the slots, ground and space. So you can actually kind of mess with that on Tribble right now. I don't know if it's complete, but it will be launching with 8.5. So it's a really nice quality of life feature.
2: Somebody's asking about the Voyager Bridge Pack. Is going to be a Voyager bridge. We already kind of have one, don't we? Isn't it on the Rhode
1: Island? It's not really the true Voyager That's It's not the bridge. real one, but... It's no, it's correct. not. It's not a full Voyager interior. I am really pushing for a full Voyager interior for Expansion 2. It's really expensive to build. It takes six, 60 days for an artist to build an entire ship interior. 60, 60 work days. 60 work days. Um, it's 12 weeks. That's how long that's it takes long to time. build an entire ship interior. So I'm pushing for it. I really think that would be great, and so I'm, what I'm trying to get out of it is a mission map on Voyager as well as a bridge pack that we could sell to go with it, but Still. Let's hunt some Undine on the bridge of the Voyager. You know, we probably could get some of Voyager. I don't know if there's going to be time to do the entire ship interior. I think it's likely that we'll get a a bridge. But we'll see. That's a to-be-determined schedule coming up.
0: With these events that we're seeing in the summer, the winter, now the anniversary, we keep getting these new marks. So, for instance, we're going to get these commendation marks coming up. I didn't get the ship last year. I saved my autographs. ...for this year, right? So I didn't go through that same type of grind. Which, uh... uh winter event.
1: Yeah, for every event, it'll use the same token, the same item. So for the winter event, we'll always use Pictures of Q. The summer event, we'll always use those pearls. And if we continue to do this for the anniversary it will always be the same commendations. How that will always work is if you don't finish it this year, you can always finish it next year. The project will never go away. If you start the project and you don't finish the project, and you don't want to buy out with low buy next year you'll be able to finish the project. You'll be able to use the same tokens. You won't be able to slot the project again next year. It will be a different project next year. You know, you could start getting some debt because you're trying to do the last project, and then you want to slot the new one because you want to get the new item. You might find yourself getting behind, but you'll never lose it. You won't log in next year and not be able to earn any more of those cumendations or pictures of Q or Lua pearls. Why
0: not combine these into a single cumendation, right? So the, the summer event is a cumendation, A winter event is a cumendation. Because you can only do one a day for X amount. There, so there is a limited amount that players can earn. Why not just unify the event uh, currency to, for, for these type of
1: you've had a similar proposal before. It's like you know why do we have a different mark for every rep? Why don't we just have one mark to trade them? I mean it's the same reason we these events are in place so that way when we have the winter event that people want to log in every day and to get that at a limited time. If I can then wait for the next event, I'm not in a rush to log in every day for the winter event or for the summer event or the anniversary event or the crystalline entity event because we run a lot of events and we're building up a larger and larger library of events that every couple of months we'll run one we're trying to say hey this is your only opportunity to get this you're not going to get this opportunity again until next year it just drives logins and if you soften that then you start moving more and more away towards this event system to like well this is just something i can just do at my own pace and i get why people want to do that but i need you to get why why we're doing it because we get a huge turnout for these sort of events and that translates into Lots of money for the game. We
0: really appreciate everything that you've shared with us. Uh, I'm sure that the audience is jazzed up. We can't wait for not only Season 8.5, but Season 9 and the future for Star Trek Online. Thank you again.
1: You're very welcome. Uh, I'm very excited about everything coming out. So I hope everyone enjoys all the new features and you're going to love the new featured episode. It's amazing. It's beautiful, too. So Tim Rust did a fantastic job. It really resonates. You're going to love it.